Hey guys, a little intro to my intro because that's just how I roll and I feel like I need to articulate some things before moving into this episode, which I believe is somewhat significant for my life personally, maybe not to others. But basically, most of you know that I am a pastor at Seacoast Church, originating from Charleston, and it's got some campuses in the southeast. This is a church that my family and I have been a part of since like 2002. That's a long time. It's a church that we call family. It's a group of leaders that we really do respect. Don't always agree, but my gosh, next if, if you can find an organization that you agree with absolutely everything that they do and say... Please let me know about that one. I want to hear about it because I don't think it exists. But Seacoast is actually a very special place for my wife and I. Our kids, it's really all they know when it comes to church fellowship outside of maybe the last two or three years, and I'll get to that here in a second. But basically, this episode can certainly lend itself to sounding like I want to tear down certain things about the church structure that I'm actually a part of. And that just not only isn't the case, but I don't want it to even be misconstrued. And that's why I find this intro to be very important. You see, I am a firm believer that wherever you find community, that group of people, they're doing something right. So a church like Seacoast, I found community there. They're doing something right. I've got people that will always be friends of mine always be family, always have my back, I'll always have theirs. Something Seacoast is doing is right. Now, the question that I have been tossing around now for years is, that can't be the only way for people to find community. In fact, I've explored this question in the last two and a half years, and I have found this to be very true, that there are some people that they just don't resonate resonate with that sort of entryway and finding community, but the need is there. We all need people. So I propose this question not in the context of one side is doing something right and the other side wrong, or I don't even like to talk sides. I think that there are advantages and disadvantages of all approaches. Now, to be really transparent, I would say maybe there are some things about big church structures that I just disagree with, but I kind of think that doesn't even matter. Who cares what I think? Any organization, anything that anyone is trying to do, you can poke holes in it until your heart's content. You will find holes to poke, and you will be able to poke those little pokies in the holes. Okay? So I think that's a little less significant than we make it out to be. But what I do think that that opens the door for is to explore other ideas. And, hey, well, what are some other options? So this episode, I present to you what I would find another option. Nothing new, nothing super creative, maybe not creative at all, because it's already been done before. It's just something that I have never done before, and I want to introduce it to you through this episode. So I hope you enjoy. The music on this episode, including the Pastor With No Answers theme song, is brought to you by dancoke.net. That's D-A-N-K-O-C-H dot net. Go on his website, check out his stuff, hire him. It'll be worth your money. I want to start a conversation. A one-sided conversation, unfortunately, because on podcast, if you are recording a podcast by yourself, 
that's the only option you have is one-sided. So let me ask you a question. What if organic meat was extremely inexpensive? <laughs> Where am I going with this? Well, you could show up to the independent butcher anytime to his limitless supply of organic meat and instead of paying $1.30 a pound, you paid 75 cents for better quality meat that's better for you. Man, that sounds good. You're supporting the little guy. Animals are treated better. You're paying less money and it tastes better. Everyone wins. No one would forfeit this opportunity seriously. Too bad this opportunity doesn't exist. We're talking organic meat for cheaper. If you're going to get quality meat, you're going to have to pay for it. But thank God this isn't so with community. So for those of us that ascribe to the Christian faith, one of our foundational beliefs is that we belong to a family. We need this family for our own personal growth. Got to have it. So how do you find this community? Well, you Google search service times for local churches, and depending on what flavor of church you're after, you visit that church the next Sunday morning. It's kind of like a hunt for community. It's a worthy endeavor, mind you. Now, arriving at the church, you'll likely notice a massive complex machine that functions specifically to help you find this community. There's a nice building with all the hip, modern decor, a light show that puts Friday night's rock show at the Coliseum to shame, dozens of volunteers, and a tight schedule to get you in and out so you and the people coming to the next service can find community. And then you leave. But you leave that church with an extra step to find community. It's like another step in the process, huh? I mean, all, all that work, and now I've got to still look? Sure, you, you met a couple of nice folks, but you're told if you really want to connect, you'll join a small group. Well, daggum, I just wanted to get, get it on Sunday. Okay, okay, I'll try that Tuesday night small group. Now, let's imagine you hit the small group jackpot. Something, unfortunately, that is more rare than you'd imagine. A lot of small groups having a similar feel to what you just left two days ago. Just less people in the group. But what if it wasn't the mediocre kind of group? What if you actually found a group of people that really cared about one another, genuinely loved spending time together, even just for fun, maybe, on a Friday night? What if this group pitched together money to help meet needs within the group and in the community? What if tough questions were asked that made spiritual growth inevitable? What if no subject was left off the table, even challenges to the Christian faith allowing non-Christians to fit into the conversation and still benefit from the community, something that I believe all humans need? Now, seven weeks of being a part of this group and continuing to attend Sunday mornings, let's face it, you may start to ask yourself an important question. Why the hell am I going to these Sunday morning services? And why in the world are the leaders of that church so happy to have hundreds of Sunday morning attenders that aren't even looking for this community that has been so helpful to me? I don't know why they aren't looking. I found something. This church helped me find community. Why aren't these other people looking for it? But I, I, I found it. I just, I just don't want to do the Sunday morning services anymore. But you have to go to church. You know what I'm saying? Well, says who? What do I need there that I can't get on Tuesday nights? In fact, in retrospect, the only purpose I see in the Sunday morning machine is indeed a good one. Really good one. But its job is complete. It helped me find that desired community that I now call family. Now, too bad I couldn't just cut to the chase in the first place. 
I gained a lot of weight on those donuts every Sunday. Now, that's what our BC communities want to do. Cut to the chase with what you really need. What if there wasn't a huge volunteer team nor massive building needed for you to find it? That sure would free up a lot of money to cut to the chase and go right into needy people's hands. That's just one benefit out of many. Let's stay focused here, though. I'm getting ahead of myself. So you mean to tell me that the organic meat can be cheaper than the big corporate processed meat? You can just show up to an independent house and get the most quality community. And there wasn't a huge team, big lights and a parking uh, team to help you find it. Of course, it's possible. That's where I think maybe this more organic community comes in. We want to take away the rock star and the show and keep things real, even when it's hard or intimidating. We want real conversation. And as a church, every voice is equally important to be heard. I mean, that's real community, right? We meet in homes, freeing up all our finances, making them fluid to be used to meet the needs of people. We accept all people. Diversity will make us stronger. That doesn't mean we always agree. That doesn't mean we discuss our differences in life so that regardless of our diversity, we will have friendship, community, and outreach to people in need. And of course, we want to grow as we seek God together. A huge part of this is growing as friends. So we break bread together and fellowship every time we gather. These things are simple and yet by far the most important. People need connection, not a show. And let's not forget, we aren't doing anything unique that hasn't been done before. There's been healthy community since the beginning of time. We also aren't doing anything complicated that other people can't do or aren't already doing. We're simply cutting to the chase and getting what we need without all the work and hassle that ends up feeding a bunch of people that are just wanting to check church attendance off their list or catch the best Sunday morning show in town. Hey, this is Seth and Melanie Studley coming to you from Maple Valley, Washington, just south of Seattle. We are officially inviting you to come and be a part of the new BC House Church. Make yourself at home, eat, drink, and be merry. We are inviting folks of all walks, no one excluded, into a community that strives to take care of one another, learn from each other, and meet a need or two in the community. If you want to learn more or ask us questions, just shoot us an email at tsethstudley at gmail.com. That's T-S-E-T-H-S-T-U-D-L-E-Y at gmail.com. And let's figure this thing out, okay? Peace. Peace. All right, well, this is The Pastor With No Answers, and we are, uh, we got a pretty cool episode, at least I think so, because y'all may have heard a little bit about this, but we are, we're actually going to experiment with, with some house churches, one in Seattle and one in uh, Tampa. And so we got a little information for you about that at the end of this episode, how to get in contact with those people and how we're going to roll this out. But we thought it would be appropriate just for uh, a few people from the little house church in Charleston to just kind of talk and reflect and, uh, you know, just be laughing at. Talk and reflect. Yeah. yeah. And you have a <laughs> sick voice. And I'm yeah, sorry. I have my sick sorry. froggy voice. <laughs> so we have... Priscilla on here, who's a familiar voice. We got Ryan on here, who is an older voice that you haven't heard from in a while. And then you have Emily, a a new friend of Pastor With No Answers, because you guys are hearing from her the first time. For the first time. I think her husband's been on here before, but it's the first time with Emily. So, Emily, welcome. 
Good to have Thank you. Thank you. So I, I, I actually, I'm really good with keeping up with time, but for some reason I cannot remember when we officially started this thing. Has it been like two years? We've been meeting for two years? Oh, uh, I was like August of 2006. 2006? 2016. I was like, oh man, I really. <laughs> There's a six. Where were we? There's a six at the end. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, I want to kind of hear where where we're all at with it you know, how excited we are about it or how bored we are with it or how well we think things are going or how horrible we think things are going. But I thought a good start would be with Emily, given that when we started this thing, I remember uh, John heard about it on Bad Christian and him and I had lunch. And so Emily was just a name to me. I'd never met you. And he was just like, yeah, I don't know if if my wife is ever going to come, but maybe I can get her to come. And what... Where were you? Where were you at at that time? Not physically, but like mentally, when it comes to the church, and what was like your hesitation? What was your expectation? Just kind of walk us through hearing about it up until the point of coming for the first time, and then your drive home with John after that first night. I am really curious because we've never really talked about this. I grew up the sound guy's daughter. Everybody knew my dad. We were um, probably a lot like your kids. I was oldest of family of four. You know, everybody knows Dave Hicks. If you are in a church in Southern California, my father has probably either played in your band or done sound for one of your events. Um, And so I grew up in the church. It was like the only place I ever felt comfortable. Um, And and then when I turned 18, I started drinking. And... um, Drugs and alcohol became my god. Yeah. And um, so I really hated the church. My, like, last couple experiences were um, a a friend of the family. She's, I don't want to call her a phony now, but when I first came, I would have called her an absolute phony. Um, She would, like, every time she would see me, she would pray in tongues over me. I'd be like, okay, back the fuck off, bitch. Like, I just just can't do it. She'd be like, oh, oh, can I pray for you? And my sister and I used to have this joke that um, it's not gossip if you're praying for somebody. And I'd be like, you can say whatever you need to say, but I'm just going to stay out of it. That's like between you and God. So, and then, you know, she'd do the whole laying of hands and the yada, yada, yada. So I was real uncomfortable. Um, I, oh, for a short time, I was also a youth pastor. And then I started drinking and smoking and then got with one the of the kids. kids with the kids no only one of them i got one of them high for the first time oh, and are um, you serious i am serious i, I was a, about you i didn't know you yeah were i'm like pastor. a oh my god well like a helper not like pastor like a helper <laughs> you because sure so hey, like, you sure went above and beyond that call of duty to help <laughs> so like youth group ended after high school and i was like well what the do i do i go volunteer in the youth group um and then so i stopped volunteering and then one of them was my sister's friend and we got her stoned so um so that happened and then um i did not keep in touch with god at all for a number of years until i got sober and um and i mean when i first got sober i'm in a 12-step program and there is a lot of God in the 12-step program. And so, um, 
at the, when I first got sober, my conception, uh, it just has to be something bigger than you. So it was the ocean. And that was about as far as I was willing to go. And like little by slowly, I was like, okay, God's probably the big thing in the sky. There's some mysterious forces at work. Cool. John, um, I met John in real early sobriety and we got married in real early sobriety too. And, um, but he, he, he was volunteering in the youth group when I met him and like, he was always really involved in the church. And, um, and then when we moved in together after we were engaged, I can't remember if he decided he shouldn't help with the youth group anymore or the youth, the youth pastor decided. That he I'm shouldn't sure help the youth group anymore. He probably made that call. So, um, which I have some things to say about that, but it's probably another topic. Because um, I always have things to say. Playing house, uh, is that the Lord's uh, will or not? Well, I can tell you that it worked out just fine. <laughs> I don't know that it would have had we not lived together beforehand. Because um, we got pregnant on our honeymoon, and that shit would have been real hard to figure out real fast. <laughs> We found some groundwork having been late. Anyways, so um, John had wanted to go back to church. He wants to go back to church. I'm like, we were living in California again. And I was like, I'm not going to any church with anyone who knows my parents. And, um, you know, at the time we were still keeping in touch with our old youth pastor who, funny enough, introduced us and then married us. Um super stellar man just like one of the best human beings on the planet and um so we went to a few services at his church when we were in california and then um i stopped practicing the principles of my 12-step program and kind of dug myself into a cave emotionally yeah. i like didn't talk to people i was a new mom I was going through all kinds of stuff in my head and it was all just uh in my head because I was alone at home with small children yeah. and um that made me look so crazy like, too being oh yeah yeah I was like with kids that shit crazy yeah it's it's so hard it is it's unbelievably hard so um when John John consumes media by listening to things like podcasts and videos um I don't so I don't know that I've listened to more than one or two episodes of your podcast, mm -hmm. mostly um, um, like important ones that John had pointed out. But so when John was like, oh, Joey from Bad Christian and Pastor With No Answers, like, of course, he's starting a church. And I was like, cool. Cool. That's cool. It's like, I'm going to go get lunch. And I was like, that dude's going to get lunch with you? <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> I also couldn't tell you any, you know, actors or actresses or directors. I just don't consume media by watching or listening. I just don't. Mm -hmm. I like to read mm -hmm. and I like to do. Um, so, so at the time, I mean, I was mostly just angry. I was, we were going through some like, real tough stuff with his parents and with my one of my siblings I was just angry and I, I was really apathetic to the idea of going back to a church but John really wanted to go to church house church with a dude that had a podcast called pastor with no answers and bad Christian sounded like a happy medium like okay I'll show up yeah and um, so we came 
and it was real awkward because I was not willing to connect with humans at that point in my life, period, anyone. And um, so I just kind of like stayed back and like watched the first time. And I do remember though at the end of, like we all went into that clubhouse and at the end, I think you were like, does anybody have any other questions? I was like, hold on. Am I going to be the only person in this room who isn't like, fuck yeah, Jesus? Because that makes me really uncomfortable if I'm going to be the odd one out. Because um, I don't feel that way right now. Yeah. And um, Shane That's was actually like, sure. I'm so excited for you. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for you. This could be like life changing and I was like, oh, man, that was not the answer I was looking for. But y'all had childcare, y'all had food, I didn't have to cook. <laughs> and so um, so we came back. And that, I don't know that I would have gone. So you guys know about a year ago I almost drank, right? I've been sober for a lot of years. I had it know. not. Did you yeah. Know? When I, um, in, yeah, it was exactly a year, actually. Because I was in California this week last year. And had it not been for our house church, I don't know that I would have been willing to go back to the 12-step program that helped me get sober. Because I was not willing to do any of the things. And you guys had shown me um, just some cool shit that like God can do cool things, right? And that, that God was gracious again. And that God could provide. And like... Provide what? Like friendships that meant something? Friendship, stability, like any uh, an intimate connection. And where, when did, when and how did you get to the point where there was some trust being built? Because obviously that first night you were very guarded, wanted to just watch, you know, and you didn't leave thinking, oh man, I just found community. So like right. you came back probably like you said, because... You know, I remember there was a the time moment. where the kids could go upstairs and you could be an adult and hang out with adults. So when did you start piecing it together? Like, huh, this may amount to something in my life. It was Maggie. Yeah. It was Maggie. Um, so I'm like a real sensitive person. Like I'm like an empath, right? And so um, I knew Maggie was having a bad day, but I didn't know her well enough to say anything. And so I just... I just asked her if she wanted a hug and it was maybe like the fourth time I had come and I was standing in your like dining room and I asked her if she wanted a hug and she said yes and I hugged her and it was like one of those real hugs you know like where there's an exchange of energy like those those hugs right and um and she cried and she said thank you and I was like anytime yeah. I'm always available for a hug so and you'd be a liar that, if you never came back because you just told her any time. Yes, you she could always have a hug. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She knows where my house is now. <laughs> um, but that was it. That was the moment that, like, I there it, like felt like an actual physical connection that I was like, okay, so I have a friend here. Yeah. And so at, at that, after that time, did you, was that, like, motivation, like, huh, if I made this connection with this girl – then maybe since she's comfortable here, maybe oh, yeah. maybe I can be comfortable here. Um, I think I'm not trying to put I'm not trying to put words into your thoughts. I'm just trying to get your thoughts out yeah. in your mouth here. For me, it was one by <laughs> one I connected with the women. Yeah, 
one by one. And it, um, I, I didn't necessarily feel, I didn't have a moment where I felt comfortable yeah. with the group. Yeah. Um, but one by one, I had a connection with the different women in our group and with them, I felt comfortable. So I was like, cause it's really easy for me to be the angry lady in the room. I can be that person and I can talk real loud and I can say a whole lot of things. Um, but it was, it, it's hard for me to be open and honest, Yeah. right? I can be angry and honest, but I didn't start, um, finding real honesty until I had real relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Can I say something about that? You don't ever have to ask permission. Okay. So, um, I do remember when we were in the clubhouse, I feel like you were one of the first people to kind of really open up and share like about yourself. Is that true? Were you one of the first people that did that? Yeah. Yeah. Joey asked me to be the first. And so I did. Yeah. But so so. like in the 12 step program that I'm in, like we, we tell stories all the time. Like we have speaker meetings. (laughs) So nobody else wanted to do it. So I was like, fuck it, whatever. I'll do it. It's like not a thing. And so, but it was a thing. I do feel like that just how you were and how, um, honest you were with like who you were and where you were coming from. And it didn't seem like you really held a whole lot back. I really feel like it kind of set a precedence. Yeah. I agree. I think I think your openness, and I hate using all these cheesy words, but openness, <laughs> rawness, transparency, it did it, it did loosen everybody else up. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it did like Priscilla said, set a precedence of oh wow, um, because I think some you know there, you weren't you weren't the only new person to the group. So for some people, I would imagine that they came with some church baggage that would have alarmed them from a standpoint of, ooh, someone's going to tell Emily not to say that word anymore or not talk negative about Jesus is coming. And then when that doesn't happen, people are probably like, whoa, maybe this is kind of a safe place just for people to vent and talk about where they are right now at this moment. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea because we haven't had this conversation really with anybody else in the group. <clears throat> I mean, like that could have been an experience for somebody listening. Yeah. Um, I didn't really have anything to lose. Right. Yeah. And so I was, uh, I, I mean, like I could very well have just not come back. Yeah. And never seen you guys. Cause I live as far away from you guys and still call it the same city yeah. as you can. Yeah. I could yeah. very easily never see any of you ever again. Yeah. So Ryan, so you, you are, um, you know, just a little bit of your backdrop. Like, um, most people know that Priscilla and I, are you know pastor a seacoast campus and you came along early early on and became super tight friend of ours you and michelle i remember hanging out with you in a cafe and we were getting to know each other for the first time and you asked me if you could step outside and smoke and i think i asked you later like were you surprised that i was cool with like did you expect me to be like oh man your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why are you going to smoke? But <laughs> we, you know, we had some good conversation, all that stuff. But anyway, all that to say is you actually did find true community in a mega church environment. Now our campus wasn't mega, you know, that's like 2000 yeah. people, but still in a church environment that you're not necessarily wired up to get all gung ho about. Um, yeah. So 
kind of walk us through why why this Sunday night group instead of just continuing what you're doing on Sunday mornings. I mean, are you doing me a favor? Do you feel like it's just something that needs to be experimented with to for for other people that don't <coughs> resonate with like Sunday morning? Like, what's yeah. been what's been so, kind of your feel through all of this? It's interesting because I've I've never talked about it, but I've wondered whether or not uh, the two were somewhat parallel because when y'all started the James Island campus, I don't know what was it oh, a wait. few months or y'all started that I, that me and Michelle came for the first time and we had been going to Seacoast mega Seacoast over in Mount Pleasant. And, uh, but we were real happy just kind of being wallflower, you know, sit in the pews and spec, you know, be basically be spectators. And, um, and so when I went over to James Island, simply because it was closer to my house, um, Y'all basically suckered me into volunteering real early on because y'all were just desperate. And uh, and I remember you asking me, like, so do you want to, like, uh, are you interested in volunteering? And I was like, why, yes, actually. I used to volunteer on the parking team at the Mount Pleasant campus. <laughs> and everybody laughed because there's no such thing as a parking team at the James Island campus. And all the <laughs> volunteer over there is actual work. Uh, so Joey literally I remember telling him that and he laughed and then he goes great you want to be on set up and breakdown and I was like I guess what does that mean and he's like just just show up next time at what was it like 7 30 yeah it was something probably seven at the time and uh and so I got suckered into that but anyway but what I was getting at is that I wonder if uh maybe I'm wired up to like new things because I do think that I have to think that that was part of the magic of what made James Island Seacoast early on uh, real special to everybody because they all kind of felt like they were at the like kind of involved in like the genesis of this thing, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and that really appealed to me. And plus, you and I got I don't know why, but we just kind of hit it off. and We were buddies. And honestly, I, don't I would why. like to <laughs> say that I've just been following Christ wherever the path leads. Um, but basically I just like you and I let you sucker me into whatever is what it holds. <laughs> um, and so that honestly, that involved a lot of me getting involved at, um, James on Seacoast. And so when you and I and a bunch of other people started having these conversations, I think it, I assume that it probably spurred from us just like slowly and quietly sharing our frustrations with church in general. Yeah. And, uh, and then it kind of probably, I assume it kind of manifested into this thing of us kind of going, yeah, but if we had to do it on our, you know, like we like telling, talking about what the church does wrong, but if we actually had to do it on our own, I don't know that we actually have any better ideas. Right. You know what I mean? And then it started talking and turning into conversations about like, all right, well, if I was going to do a church, this is what I would, I would totally do this or I would totally not do that. But, but here's the thing though. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to toot our own horns. Cause y- you and I are thinking of the same sort of people, Sean Liebernight, Ted Demas, Priscilla, yeah. yourself. Like at that time though, sure. There was some, some prideful uh, notions, but I think we also recognized the good that was coming out of what we were already in 
and it wasn't coming from a posture of just bashing everything oh, I know. we thought was uncool. It was just basically us saying these are certain things that we think are problematic <laughs> and we would never do them like this, but it wasn't in this we're better than everybody else sort of way. It, it, probably, it probably tended towards that sometimes, but that wasn't the prevailing yeah. notion. Oh, I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm joking about that, but I think probably what it was was just an extension of what Seacoast had ingrained in us, which was like, we want to reach the unchurched. You know, it's like basically like what every, you know, church for the last 20 years has professed is we want to reach the unchurched. Yeah. And that's everybody's goal. And that's a very noble goal. And I think it's actually pretty sincere. Certainly from my experience at Seacoast, I think they sincerely want that. But I think most of what our conversations kept coming back to was the fact that unchurched people just don't go to church. That's why they're unchurched people. It's not because there's something about God or something about church that's stopping them like this one thing. They just don't like to go to church. And it's it's kind of an intimidating. It, it, it comes with so much baggage and it comes with so many presuppositions about what goes on and the kind of people that inhabit it that. I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Joey, but I assume that that's probably a lot of what our conversations were about of like, well, you know, how'd they do it in Acts? You know, they just basically went and hung out at each other's houses and prayed and talked about God and that kind of thing. So that just feels more real. And then beyond it, then if you add on our, our frustrations with just uh, that, that concept of like heavy cart and light cart, you know, that idea that like, you start out as a church and you start doing the basics and then the, then you start this one little program for this, that somebody had an idea for that's cool. And then somebody else does a little thing. And then before you know it, it grows into this monster that you have no control over. And that now is sucking up everybody's time and energy. I just remember several years into Seacoast James Island. It, for me personally, it turning from this like really magical thing that everybody had that was real close to slowly turning into kind of showing up for work, mm-hmm. you know, because we were all of the same attitude of like, Oh, well, we're here to make sure everybody else has a good experience at church. And then half of us wouldn't even go into the service. We would never hear the message. You know, we'd basically just set up and then sit down and bullshit with each other, you know, around having some coffee. And it just became apparent to me as I went on, uh, that, I was just there for because I liked the people and because I liked the idea of what they were doing, but I wasn't particularly invested in it. Yeah. And then, and then basically, I don't I don't even remember how it started, but that's obviously around the time that we all started kicking around this idea of doing house church. Um, because that sounds like if you are going to like actually have somebody that doesn't like church or just weirded out by church, Maybe that'd be something that wouldn't be quite as weird. Although to a lot of people, it's twice as weird. (laughs) And that could get weird quick. But um, anyway, is it? I I feel like I'm going to question. Priscilla, you're definitely very hesitant when you start hearing your husband talk about doing something new. I would say partly (laughs) because partly because of the religious implications of just like starting something and launching and just all the sort of stuff that comes along with that because of our experience in church circles and all of that. What, 
you know, what, what were your deepest thoughts and fears and all that stuff when it was like, okay, we're really doing this. We have no idea what we're doing, but there's going to be some strangers coming over to our house. There's going to be some super close friends coming to our house. We do not really have a plan. Uh, Joey likes bullet points and to-do lists, and that scares you because it comes across very contrived and stupid. Like what, what were kind of your mixed emotions when we first started out, when you're meeting people like Emily and John for the first time? Take us through that. Um, I, well, you're right. I remember the first time we met, actually Toby was with us too. It was just a handful of us. That's when, um, AJ and Natalie were there as well. And I didn't really know them that well. And there's a couple other people. Oh, we love AJ and Natalie. I know. Well, those are the guys that are launching Tampa. So that's cool. Um, but I, I remember that I, I guess. So when you ask that question, I think of that night because I showed up and I got a sheet of paper with your bullet points, just like everybody else. And I had it, (laughs) I had not seen it yet. So I was just like everyone else looking at your bullet points. And I, I think I was kind of in a bad place with just ministry in general. And so anything that looked anywhere near what we were already doing, I just felt really annoyed by it. So I feel kind of bad because that first time you were trying to kind of figure it out and meet with people, I was, I was probably your biggest naysayer. (laughs) 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 Sorry. I was challenging every little bullet point that you had. And, um, I think I just had a fear of just starting another machine. I just don't want that. So, um, and it's exhausting starting a big ministry thing. And I was also afraid of having expectations put on me. It was like sort of a thing I was trying not to have is yeah. be expected. You talking about the pastor's wife thing? Yeah, I think so. But, um, but no, then when I remember when we had all of y'all over, I just... I really, I think there's something about being in a home and I don't, I just think, uh, it's cozier. And well, once you see new people and the opportunity to just chill and like commune with people, literally all of your defenses fall. Cause you're like, Oh, this, yeah, I can dig this. Yeah. I liked that. And I, and I really, I mean, the people that we had and have, I really do love. I think it's kind of a diverse diverse backgrounds a little bit and um i mean emily i really liked you when i met you that first night <laughs> i thought you were awesome. awesome and you're probably like i might not come back next week <laughs> but well, um, i was just angry i just really <laughs> she was just angry i was just angry that's i think it. and you know what that's probably why i loved you so much because i'm like oh my gosh these are all my people i'm pissed too <laughs> you're past yeah I'm pissed. <laughs> yeah emily i i really did have that experience with you too Cause I remember thinking like Aww, she just gave yeah. everybody in here permission yeah. to be honest and to yeah. be a dick. If, if they feel, if they're having like dickish thoughts in their heart, dickish. Like, <laughs> <laughs> see the Lord used your humility and now you're president of our board. <laughs> Don't tell people that. <laughs> that is a side I'm note. Only- We're not going to get into all the nuts and bolts of this, but a side note is, for us to be a real nonprofit church, we actually had to go through a lot of the legal stuff. So Emily is our president. So she can shut this conversation down anytime she wants to. She can tell us to be quiet. She can boss us around. 
Emily's in charge. Um, let me. Well, can I say I so? am oh, sure. only the president because I was the last person who was going to say, no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> it all went around in a circle and I was like, Fuck, okay, all right, I'll do it. This is what I love about our group is nobody wants to have any of those titles, which I think is so great. Um, no, I, I want to say that I think when we start talking nuts and bolts of like we're starting a church or starting a thing or, or creating some sort of like um, template or writing things on paper, it makes me squirmy. But then to my surprise, I feel like I felt like we have had support group the past two years, at least for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what that was. And it didn't feel like we had to be a certain way or had to have a certain program. And so I think that's what yeah. I was surprised by it, but I loved that. Hey, this is Natalie and AJ coming to you from Tampa, Florida. We want to formally welcome you and open our house to make yourself at home. Eat, drink, and be merry. Over time, as a part of the VC House Church Network, we're inviting folks of all walks, no one excluded, into a community that will hopefully do a decent job at taking care of one another, learning from one another, and meeting a need or two in the community. But first things first, email us at ajmestry at yahoo.com. That's A-J-M-E-S-T-R-E at yahoo.com. So we can invite you to a dope cookout on March 18th. Or just feel free to write and ask some questions. We look forward to hearing from you. So instead of walking everybody through exactly what our group looks like and what we do and what all it entails, let's just let some of that stuff come out naturally with some questions that I want to throw at you guys. What do you all think that we are missing out on as far as not being uh, – and and I'll – state clearly priscilla and i do have both things going on in our lives ryan and emily you guys do not go to a big uh, church gathering where there's a you know worship team and um you know crowds and those sorts of things when you think about our group i mean it's basically we call it a church and i'd say it is when you think about what a church is church is community but it's really a small group it's a small group that manages our own money. It's a small group that, you know, basically considers us, okay, this is this is our church. Now, for Priscilla and I, we're also part of a traditional uh, body of believers that gather on Sunday mornings, typical to what most Americans think of when they see church. Uh, so, you know, we're doing both. You guys both, though, are examples of two people in our group. This is your church community. Like, uh, there is no Sunday morning gathering for you guys where you go to a big church or even a small church that meets in a building with a pastor and a board and a worship leader and all that stuff. Do you guys feel like you're missing out on anything? Uh, probably. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, there, of course I, I spent, you know, probably the last 15 years before this off and on having spurts of being like, pretty gun ho about organized church. And, um, and so I miss a little bit the structure. I miss the, uh, being forced to sit through a sermon that you weren't planning, that you weren't seeking out, you know, that, that like little bit of challenge. Sometimes it comes from that. That was always nice. Um, I miss, I don't know. There's something that there's, there is something whether or not it's real or not, I can't say, but there is something that feels more holy about the way that some, you know, that about a church service. Mm-hmm. And 
now granted I, I there's that other part of my brain that thinks that's all manufactured for a purpose for a specific purpose but it worked i was such a sucker for it you know and i will say this emily you'll get it you think i'm gonna tell you this so we do something called response time after the sermon you know the pastor gets up there and kind of connects you know people to responding to what they heard and everything i'm telling you it was almost a given that if i look over at ryan the boy's got tears coming down his eyes every single time. <laughs> oh. I mean, that boy connected, man. <laughs> yeah, it was it was emotional he for connected. me. He connected. It, it got it, it's somehow like Seacoast especially was really good at like getting me into this weird headspace where like I started thinking about like God, he died, you know, like 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 he was a real person and he like he he died the way that like a movie hero dies for like to save his kids, you know, or something like that, you know, to save like his people. And it was always really like, I get, I don't get, I don't cry about sad things, but I get, I cry very easily over like touching commercials and that kind of stuff. I cried, uh, at Katie and Tom's wedding that we watched on the latest season of Vanderpump rules tonight. I cried at their wedding tonight. Okay. Um, never mind. It means nothing that you cried. It's, at really, yeah, it's, it's really, <laughs> that magical but it did get me in that headspace and that's basically what i'm trying to put my finger on and and the other thing the other thing that i would say that is nice about a big church that you're not probably not going to be exposed to in a house church is that uh in a big church i was forced to do community with people that were very unlike me and i know i'm <laughs> emily just made a gross face but <laughs> but there, I, that's I agree. not true. Not anymore. And for a lot of people, that's going to be such a stumbling block for them that or a hurdle that they're never going to get to that point. You know, it'll be it'll be a an obstruction. But for me, I was just you know uh, willing enough to go there, and that really was something that was pretty special about my time at Seacoast was getting in a room with a bunch of like conservative Christians, like in the ultra, you know, in the, in the Baptist sense of the word and really feeling like they were part of like my community and loving them and like really connecting with them, you know, in a real, real, in a real, I'm, I'm going to stop at that in a real way. Yeah. And, um, and so that part was really cool. So anyway, there's, there's, there's a few things, you know, nothing's perfect, but I could, also say the same thing the other direction you know that there's things about this group that i would not be getting at a seacoast yeah so. emily you seem to be i don't miss a thing this is just i don't fine. yeah i really don't well, walk okay us, so walk us through that because some something that that we have to realize is there are some people when they hear us talk i think for some and, and push back if y'all disagree but i think for some people this is like crazy talk like of course we miss out on a bunch of stuff. Like, of oh, course, no. Emily, if you're not, if you're not doing no. some of that traditional stuff, you are missing out on a lot of good stuff. So why, why would you disagree? Well, those people can just be wrong and that's fine. Um, <laughs> you can just be wrong and that's okay. And, and if that works for you, that works for you. Um, but maybe because I grew up with my father behind the scenes doing all the things I know I've, feel real uncomfortable during worship with all the people with their hands in the air and like I know for sure that there are 
the majority of the time that felt genuine when I was the one raising my hands. But I wonder how much of that was taught. Yeah. Like this yeah. is the thing I'm supposed to do to better connect to God. And it just doesn't do it for me anymore. Um, I don't miss the sermons. I feel like the last, I mean, I've only been to a handful of services over the last couple of years, but I swear to God, every single time somebody says something racist or sexist or just f***ed up, and I'm like, I don't need to go. And every single time, John and I laugh because he's like, maybe God's just like, no, you don't need to go. <laughs> and Because every single time I walk out there and I'm like, no, no, I'm leaving. I'm not, I'm not listening through this. I'm not. Like, I walked out when Stephen Furtick spoke. I was like, this guy, I'm out. <laughs> and, like, when that motherfucker turned the light, was like, we're all going to stand for the word of God because we respect the word of God. And then that asshole kept talking. I was like, I'm not standing for this. I'm just, I'm going to go hang out in the toddler room. I am not, I'm not here for that. Emily, this, Emily, this is why your voice is so important, though, is because you represent a lot of people that feel the same way, and that is okay. Like, in fact, it's more than okay. It should be embraced that what you are describing is what goes on in many traditional worship gatherings. It doesn't make it wrong necessarily. Sure, I think there's wrong stuff that goes on in those gatherings, just like there's wrong stuff that goes on in our little house church gathering. But it's okay for somebody to... Write all that off as something that doesn't resonate with you, you know? You know, I also don't like country music or Raw Tomatoes, and nobody tries to fight me over it. You just lost your credibility there. (laughs) Now, one thing I think of, too, is um, when I was bringing the girls home from their little sports, we were talking about learning a different language. And Rosa and I both really want to learn Spanish, but I've been wanting to learn Spanish for like the last 20 years, and I still haven't learned it, so that's... That shows you my discipline with learning. Um, and we were talking about getting an app or doing this other thing to try to learn and maybe listen to it every day in the car when I'm taking her to gymnastics. And Rosa looked over at me and she's like, Mom, I think I just need to go to a class where someone's making me learn it. <laughs> and I was like, you are just like your mom because Joey can sit and just teach himself stuff and get a degree online and do stuff like that because he is disciplined. And then I need to enter into an environment and have someone teach me and do that sort of thing. So I would say that for me, I do like going to something that requires some discipline because I feel like it's just good for my personality. So like, we still go to Seacoast, but I will tell you like where I'm coming from, I, I feel like I miss some of like my upbringing that I had growing up, which I grew up Catholic and then Lutheran. So I miss some of that, like just reading the saint, like the apostles creed or not reading it, just having it memorized and Mm -hmm. doing a lot of the same liturgy and stuff like that. I just miss that. I think it's kind of beautiful. We actually went to a funeral of a really good, you know, a family that we love so much and they go to Episcopal Church downtown, and it was, I cried so much, partly because I'm just so sad for that family, and also it was such a moving service to me, yeah. too. How do you guys think that we have done with, you know, part, part of the foundation of our conversation leading up to this that I guess Ryan and I got to hang out a lot at work. Um, he would stop by and work with us, and then Priscilla and I at home, 
So we talked about these sorts of things a lot as far as once once one person starts to acquire the most responsibilities and the most influence and the more people looking at him or her for leadership, it starts turning into something to where that person is going to need to get paid or that person is being counted on. And next thing you know, that person's able to really influence the group. And what sucks is if that person is wrong, then he's influencing the group, you know, to, in, in incorrect ways. How do you think we have done with decentralizing leadership? Because I, I think leadership is a real thing. And I think that Priscilla has leadership in our marriage. I have leadership in our marriage. There's certain things she's good at leading. There's certain things I'm good at leading. There's nothing wrong with leadership. And I would imagine in our group, there are certain people that are going to lead more than others just because of the context and the concept of our group. But have we done a good job steering people away from really looking at just one or two people to carry the load? I feel like we kind of have an anonymous leadership. Like none of us are asking for leadership. None of us are um, looking to be recognized. We're I see the members of our church seeing a role that needs to be filled and then filling it. Yeah. And I don't think, yeah, I mean, like, like Eric is just like, yeah, I'll take care of the food. I'll manage it. You know, I I will say, I do think that the same text. If you kind of look at our group, I think there's just naturally a lot of leaders in that group. So everyone is just kind of, or maybe a lot of initiative. There's a lot of people with a lot of initiative. Also, if you look at our church, a lot of us have um, either stepped away from the church after having been really involved. Yeah. And I feel like it takes a certain kind of person to be really involved. Like we're a yeah. pretty specific group of disenfranchised Christians. Yeah. Um, I, I, I hate to be the, na- the naysayer here. Um, but I would disagree somewhat with you guys in that I think that we have done a valiant effort of trying to decentralize and trying not to have leaders. But I just think that that kind of thing, unfortunately, tends to emerge in groups because people want, you know, we're sh- mm-hmm. if we are sheep like like Jesus likes to paint us as, and I, I kind of tend to to think that, then... I think people do want a leader. And so I almost think that if we if we didn't have a constant input of energy into trying to push back against that, I do think it would be very easy for us to naturally fall into that dynamic just because it's easier. Whenever there's structure, structure, you know, people, whether or not they want it, like know they want it or not, I think people like certain certain types of structure. And I think that's one type. And so in doing that, I mean, I have said from day one and that that if we did not have that, if Joey kicked the bucket tomorrow, I'm not I'm not confident it could go on, but I'm not confident that it would go on because not that Joey's the leader necessarily in in that capacity, but he's the catalyst Mm. and he's the one 
that takes that mindset of a leader of like, all right, what are we going to do next? How are we going to keep this organized? How are we get? are we steering the ship too far this way? That kind of stuff. What do y'all think about that? Well, maybe, maybe you, you're totally blacked out, Ryan. We don't see you and that's cool. That's okay. but I'm a little nervous of what you're doing now with the lights out. A couple of thoughts. One thought would be, I, I, I embrace the need for there to be leadership in general. But I, I don't embrace a one spiritual leader deal. I think that's when things can get yes. a little crazy and unhealthy where everybody's looking at one person for spiritual leadership because what happens when that guy or that girl is wrong? Um, yeah. But with when you were saying what you were saying, it made me think that maybe, maybe, the, maybe the solution is not to completely decentralize leadership and like um, minimize it. But maybe, maybe the idea is to actually push back against it as hard as we can, knowing that we won't ever be able to get completely away from it. So instead yeah. of embracing that model of one person taking the reins and running with it, we push against that as much as we possibly can, knowing that there's still going to be some people that are ultimately kind of leading. I don't know. Those are my initial thoughts. Priscilla? Yeah, well, you need to be somewhat organized so you know what time or know that we have a sitter i mean our sitter this last sunday had a migraine an hour before group started and we were scrambling finding somebody i mean somebody needed to do that yeah. there is just like details and things that need to happen it feels way less crazy than running a giant production on a sunday morning because people yeah. are just coming over it just feels like you're hosting all of your friends and what we yeah. have extra is our kids having, I don't know if it's an hour and a half to two hours where they hang out. And our kids really look forward to that. So it's like a fun time for the kids mm-hmm. and then adults can actually have a conversation. And um, Did I tell you that's one of the first couple of words Levi said? He said, house, church. Are you serious? When he was first putting together sentences, it was like over winter break. He was like, house, church. That's cool. Hey, one thing yeah. I want to ask really quick, because we're talking about that and organizing and Are leadership. you purposely talking Valley Girl? One thing I want to ask real quick. Am I talking? Sorry. Good. Gosh. I did not mean to do that. <laughs> I guess I'm naturally. I didn't that. hear it. <laughs> okay, thank you. Just trip in. Excuse me, can I have one more M&M? I'm, I'm eating a lot of M&Ms right now. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, I do. I agree with Ryan. I think sometimes you just have some natural stuff. And then, Emily, I think what you said is so right, is a lot of us did kind of carry a lot of responsibility or something at some point. And it probably for all of us feels like a relief because nobody's carrying anything too heavy, but no one minds doing a little bit. <laughs> and right. so it, yeah. it just sort of seems like that. Um, and then uh, what I was going to say is when we were at the bad Christian conference, I had a good handful of people that asked me about um, how to handle children and what to teach them when we're having house church and that sort of thing. And it kind of took me by surprise a little bit. I think it was a really good question. So it's not anything I thought was a bad question, but I think I have such an aversion to doing exactly church, but only in the house. And so mm-hmm. I, I really haven't even thought a whole lot about what our kids are learning. Cause to me, I think it's okay that they're hanging out, mm-hmm. but I kind of, 
I don't know. I think, remember we talked about that a little bit as far as indoctrinating our kids yeah. and teaching them yeah. certain things when they're really little. And I don't know why I'm bringing that up because I really don't have a whole big point other than to say, I think that that's something that kind of morphs and grows with whatever group you have gathered mm-hmm. and like whatever everyone's comfortable with. Well, I think the idea sense. is that's not something you have to have figured out beforehand. Yeah. And if you do take that approach, then you start making people acquire more responsibility than what they need. I mean, if, if you got to get everything figured out before you start something, then you yeah, will you just have start. four or five people that are figuring everything out and doing all the work so that other people can come and enjoy. Yeah, if you just get a true. bunch of people together and say, hey, if you want to do this with us, then do this with us, and we don't have much figured out, well, then that's when everybody's hands have, they have to be on deck or they're just going to have to leave because they don't like how things are. Or and, people will naturally just start doing some of the things that make sense. And I know Emily, when we, when we talked about this a long time ago, I mean, Emily's knee-jerk reaction to all of this is, I, you know, Emily says, I want to be the one to teach my kids. And I think that's a, that's a pretty valid point, too. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't think that if someone stepped up in our group and said, hey, let me, you know, once or twice a month, let me walk the kids through a Bible study. I think most of us have a level I'd of want trust to, know which to where Bible we'd be verses. cool with it. Um, <sighs> Someone's going to review that before that is taught. Well, so like Kai, Kai, our oldest son is an old soul. And I don't know that we've ever told him anything was true or false. Right. And he has his own ideas and beliefs about God. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Kai, Kai believes in reincarnation and nobody's ever told him about that or um, that that was right or that that was wrong. Like he, a couple of months ago, was like, mom, you know, when people die, they get born into a new family. I was like, oh, how do you know that? He's like, I just know. Huh. It's like, okay. And that's a truth for him. And I don't want anyone to like tell him that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what if there what if there's some spiritual truth to that? Yeah. You know? I mean what if what if he's rebirthed into God's family? You know? Or like Or a fraud maybe family. It's fucking reincarnation. <laughs> like, there's no way that I as a finite human being can know for sure. I can have faith, but I can't know for sure. Right. right. So that's that's what he believes and I don't want to mess with that. Yeah. How so, do you guys because we're gonna wrap this up here soon, but I wanna tackle a few more things. How do y'all feel because this is one of my favorite parts is the uh the use of our money like how do y'all feel about all of that money going basically towards the basic functions of our group such as babysitting and occasionally buying food to feed everyone when you know we don't have somebody responsible for bringing the food and then the rest of it really goes to either needs in the group like households that are struggling an individual that's struggling and then we've given I would say well over, I mean, this isn't a lot to a lot of bigger churches, but for us, I mean, I would say we've probably given well over $2,500 just in the last year and a half to needs outside of our group. And that Mm -hmm. just makes me super excited that, you know, we're not, uh, you know, I'm not saying anything against a church. I mean, my, my career is at a church, so I get a salary. Uh, So there's no way I can be totally anti that. I'm not. But I do like the idea that we're not having to pay for overhead. We're not having to pay for a building. We're not having to pay for a salary. And I do think that that is a huge perk and a huge strength of doing this sort of model. Now, the flip side of that is 
we're probably never going to get to the point where we can give a two, $250,000 to a country that just suffered a tsunami like Seacoast is able to do. So that's mm-hmm. a win for them that we won't have ever able to be able to do. But what Wait, do y'all think about goal? the money? Like, is that a goal? Is that a thing that we want to do? Give $250,000 to tsunami victims? I know, but what you have to do to get $250,000, like, right. like why is $250,000 to tsunami victims um, more important than fixing the single mom's roof after sure. a hurricane? Yep. I mean, it, there's more zeros at the end. Right. It's essentially the same thing. Yeah. Um, I will say, I can't, I can tell y'all, we'll do a little bit of transparency right quick. Cause I just pulled up our financials for 2017, which was our first full year. Yeah. And now granted we came into 2018 with a balance of roughly, I think three grand that had not been spent, but, um, we spent an average of um, 20% on feeding everybody. Yeah. We spent 15% on child care, uh, 5% on miscellaneous, uh, 15% on legal expenses, but that's just the first year because we had to spend a bunch of money to yeah, do our, so one, uh, our, yeah. Um, and then we spent a total of, 40 roughly 45 percent on charity is there a to- is, 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 there a, is there a sum number that you have what does that 45 uh, percent represent yeah um so everybody how much money we have you know grab us blind yeah <laughs> um i probably should oh, okay so we took in ten thousand seven hundred dollars and um so that would mean that we gave away Roughly forty-five to five thousand dollars. So that's way more than I even thought. And cool. um, and and here yeah. and and here's the here's the refreshing thing about that for me is, sure, it this takes some commitment. Sure, it takes maybe Priscilla and I when we have it at our house, which is the majority of the times, maybe a little stressful to come home from church and then get things straightened up and start preparing for people to come over. But then there's other people rounding up for babysitters. There's other people rounding up for uh, food. You've got people that are working on some legal stuff. But bottom line is it's, it's all the very basic stuff that you need to do just, just to have a little bit of organization within the community. It's not, it's not like we're busting our tails for, um, you know, for a bunch of people to come and just, you know, watch a production, which uh, again, I'm not saying that that model is totally wrong either. I just think that this is also very refreshing and I think it's would probably be responded to in a very refreshing way for many people. About the money, um, and like the, the tsunami victims, I just like, if my family had a need, and I was a member of Seacoast. I couldn't ask Seacoast for $500 to fix my car or get new tires if, like, my husband just lost his job and we have, you know, used up all of our savings and my car broke down. You could, um, but it would be a lot of red tape or yellow tape. Yeah. What color is the tape? I forget. Red tape, yeah. Red tape. Yeah. But, like, with you guys, I, I can just say, hey, I have a need. 
And and every time we as a group say yes to like to the most that we can. Right. And like $250,000 to tsunami victims sounds really cool, but you know, I need to drive my kids to school. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, my point about that too is not we suck because we can't do that. More mm-hmm. of wow, that's a cool opportunity that a church like Seacoast has that that's cool. I think, you know, and yeah. I'm just throwing that number out. Um, did everyone give consistently last year? Because I'm kind of an out of sight, out of mind. I haven't even thought about our finances, really. And I remember uh, we were in the kitchen and Tara was like, um, oh, gosh, I don't think we've gave in like three months. I keep forgetting. Like, is that, are people consistently? Uh, yeah. Curious. I would say for the most part, people are consistently giving. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that probably, uh, I would say that most people, like, so we we just picked a number out of thin air that we thought was a reasonable amount for to ask people to give. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, what, $50 last year or $75 yeah. a month mm-hmm. as a family. And I would say for the most part, everybody gave roughly that amount or maybe slightly more. Um, and so, yeah, I would say that, I guess I would say that at least 80% of the people are basically giving that. And so, like, like yeah, I mean, you could you could certainly make the argument that Seacoast, mod, the megachurch model, uh, has got... Is, is a good way to collect a bunch of money from a bunch of people and be able to do really cool things with it. But I would also argue that I'd, I'd be interested to find out if you took that same number of people spread across house churches, I would venture to say that because of the lower overhead and because of the slightly higher accountability that we have had with, as far as just saying, Hey, this is kind of expected. Um, that that you would actually probably have more you would be able to generate more generosity and charity out of that but i'm on your own awesome well thank you guys it's been a enjoyable conversation just to kind of kick back and reflect and talk maybe laugh a little bit and watch ryan try to make weird faces to get us all to laugh and (laughs) nice little nice little journey guys are we are we going to do a follow up episode when this whole thing goes down in flames? <laughs> <laughs>